What's up, y'all? This is season three, episode three, and we're talking all things St. Vincent today. My guest is my good, good friend, Will Kelly. He's the coach for the Gates Trial Junior Spartans. Now, we had some de- technical difficulties during the episode. His, his camera cut out about three minutes in, uh, but I took care of that, provided some pictures and artist renderings, so consider that issue solved. Also, for the first time anywhere, I want to announce the first of two season three live shows, February 28th. We're going to be going live on Facebook and YouTube with head of DFAT, Casey Bowker. Now, he hasn't picked his movie yet, so stay tuned for that announcement. But make sure you mark your calendars now. This is your chance to get in on the conversation. And uh, we're going to be doing some giveaways and more, so make sure you check it out. Now, St. Vincent, Will Kelly, here it is. Say it with me. Without further ado, on with the show. We fade in from black. Thanks, man. Thanks for being on the show. I, you know, I appreciate it. Of course, man. Always. So, uh, uh, first, I need to, before we get into the episode, I have a question to ask you. Yes. This is, this is the first time that we have talked. Um, your video just cut out. This is the first time that we've talked since the YouTube video came out, and I need to know what you, how you're feeling about that. I'm feeling about dropping in rank by like one or two notches. Yeah, I mean, you were pretty proud of Birdman, as you should be. Great yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and it was originally number one, and it fell to number two. So yeah. I just want to make sure there's no bad blood before we start this episode. All good. All good. You know, you can only hold a belt for so long. <clears throat> no problem. <laughs> I'm St. Vincent, though. Yes, yeah, so let, let's talk about that. because So the challenge for season three was um, try to pick a movie to make the top ten. And you're one of the few people that not only have made the top ten, but you held the number one position for a long time. So there was a lot mm-hmm. of pressure on a good follow-up movie. And yep. you picked St. Vincent, starring the legendary Bill Murray. Um Obviously, he just he he does the Grand Budapest Hotel prior to this, and then after this, he does Dumb and Dumber Two, um, and then Melissa McCarthy, who did Tammy before this, does Spy after this, and then Naomi Watts, who did Birdman right before this, yep. and then does um, uh, While You While We're Young with Ben Stiller after this. So, tell me about your relationship with Saint Vincent and why you picked it. St. Vincent was something I saw, I don't know, on like a voodoo, like a free voodoo movie when it first came out, around the time it first came out, because it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, huge in the box office and um, it was kind of a, almost an indie film type um, release for it. And when I saw it, I fell in love with it. And how can you not? Everything about it. Um, primarily Bill Murray's authenticity, right? That I mean, that's what you fall in love with in all of his movies, but especially this movie. And then, and then a good story behind it. Yeah, I mean, a great story. So uh, you, you touched on it a little bit. The budget for the movie is thirteen point five million. Uh, it makes fifty four point eight at the box office, which is huge. I mean, that's it's you know four times its budget. It is considered a very big success. But with that being said, this is also in two thousand fourteen. This is at the height of the Marvel movies. So unless your movie's getting you know close to the billion dollar range, um, it's really not worth it for the studios to be doing movies of this caliber anymore um it is an indie film to some extent it premiered at the 2014 toronto international film festival september 4th 
through the 14th, limited theatrical release uh, on October 10th, 2014, and then the expanded wide release on October 24th, which is the official uh, listed release date. Same day as it was released on Netflix in France, which is kind of weird. And I've never seen that before. I, I, I didn't know any of that, so thanks for that. Yeah, but man, it, that's, what, that's what I'm here for. Speaks to kind of a small release. Um, obviously, and they weren't planning on going big with this, but uh, one yeah. of my favorites. I own it on Blu-ray. I just finished watching it before we got on this call, so... Oh, nice. So it's fresh. It's fresh in your mind. I like it. Uh, mm-hmm. Official runtime is listed as 102 minutes or an hour and 42 minutes. It is directed and written by the same guy, Theodore Melfi. Um, he did Hidden Figures, which he also wrote in a few shorts, but he hasn't really done anything else. He's no. he's done. He has written a few um, episodes of The Blacklist, but he, he he's like a nobody. And somehow he hounds Bill Murray on his one eight hundred number, um, to, and gets him in the movie. And then obviously, once you got Bill Murray on, everybody else signs on, and then you get a, a good company behind you. A couple production companies, nothing. Uh, I think Golden Light is, the, is probably the biggest production company, and then it's distributed in the U.S. by the Weinstein Company. I said just like you said, the Weinstein Weinstein release. Um, I did note that, and you know, everybody feels how they feel about that. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is before the whole all this shit hits the fan um, with the Weinstein Company, but um, yeah, obviously they go on to be sold and 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 sold uh, broken up and everything. But I did want to read you something uh, I found in my in my research here. Uh, this movie is based on a screenplay titled Saint Vincent Davon Noyce, uh, written by the director here, uh, Theodore Melfi, uh, or Saint Vincent of Van Noyce, the neighborhood. Of the film, which is from the central San Fernando Valley, Melfi said on the topic, essentially the movie is a true story. Eight years ago, my oldest brother passed away and he was 38. He left behind a daughter, an 11 year old girl, and the mother was not in the picture. So my wife and I adopted her and we moved her from Tennessee to Van Nuys, California, and we put her in a Catholic school. Her sophomore year in her world religion class, she gets a homework assignment. Find a Catholic saint that inspires you and find somebody in your everyday life that mimics the qualities of that saint and draw a comparison. She picked St. William of Rochester, the patron saint of adopted children, and she picked me. And that's the entire movie. You could say based on a true story, really in the movie, but I don't. He said he took a lot of liberties. He said there is there's a combination of that story with his adopted daughter and then there's a second story quote the second story is vince the character it's a hundred percent my father-in-law my wife's father bastard of a guy vietnam vet alcoholic abandoned all five of his kids left his wife when she was nine or when his wife was nine excuse me never talked to her again 25 years later my wife goes on one of those find your life seminars in los angeles gets an assignment Get complete with the people in your life and make amends with them. So she writes a Dear Dad letter and mails it to an address she finds in the White Pages in East Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Two weeks later, the phone rings. Kim, it's your dad. And she starts crying. And they become each other's saints for the last 10 years of his life. He changed 100%. He was there for her. 
They talked every night on the phone. And to watch that relationship blossom was like the greatest gift she could ever have. So these two stories are blended together to make St. Vincent. What are your thoughts on that? Two wonderful stories. And I didn't know that it was, um, the movie came out of such a personal vein of the directors uh, and, and the director's immediate family. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Though you're you're 100 right. Those two stories are just so heartwarming, and they get combined into this film, which just adds to, you know, what we're going to talk about and in the the grand story that is Saint Vincent. Um, it's a PG-13 movie for language, alcohol, and tobacco use, mature thematic material, and sexual content. Tagline for the movie is "Love Thy Neighbor." Yeah. Perfect. So, so let's get into it. Uh, the movie starts off Jack, or not Jack Nicholson. I was going to say that because Jack Nicholson was rumored to be attached to the film. He decides not to sign on and recommends you get Bill Murray, um, which he signs on July 2017. Anyway, um, Brooklyn, he, New York. <clears throat> yeah, Bill Murray. It opens up with Bill Murray telling a joke. Do you remember what the joke was? Uh, I, I don't remember the specifics of the joke. Yeah, but. It, I do. I do want to speak to that opening scene. Is you know you're kind of you're kind of in um, in the dark for a second. And all you have is a voice, and you go, man. You know, it's one of those. Um, it's not a New York accent, although it, although it's, it it takes place in Brooklyn. It's more of a Boston Southie accent that he has. Yeah, um, or at least they, yeah, Boston, New York, first first child immigrant um, from Ireland, and that's what you get. And I, I really like that voice. Every time I watch it, it comes on, and I go, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah this is why I like this movie." Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got a great accent on this, and it really does work very well. Um, the the only other character that really has a, a strong accent in the film is Naomi Watts, who has a Russian accent. She's essentially a prostitute in the movie. Yeah, Daka. Yeah, she she well, she's a stripper, but she she sleeps with Bill Murray's character Vince for money. So she's a prostitute too, right? I mean, like. She's a woman of the night. Right, she's a woman of the night. But she, do you? We don't see her with anybody else besides him. We don't. That's right. Yeah. Huh. However, however, she is pregnant when the movie opens, um, and they allude to you know, it, it's daddyless. You know, it's somebody's. I just don't know who's. Yeah. One thing I found interesting is at no point in the movie do they really hint that it's Vince's. I mean, no, clearly it, he's sleeping with her, and you don't see her sleep with anybody else. But they yeah. never make any kind of like even yeah. hint that it might be. They really stay off of that completely, which I found interesting. Yeah, that's why, I th- like I said, I think it kind of alludes to it's she doesn't know whose it is. <clears throat> he's willing to keep her around and actually willing to pay, you know, her some of her medical bills. And you see them at one point shopping for a crib. And ultimately that ends up in, in their house together at right. the end. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, it de- definitely speaks to she also she also hooks you know right right so he he opens with a joke and you find out pretty quickly that uh he's a drunk um he needs money he likes to gamble and he's really bad at gambling so he gets wasted he ends up driving over his own fence in the middle of the night destroys it and uh the next morning, he wakes up to the, a moving van moving in his new neighbors, and that's Maggie and her son. Oliver, yeah. 
Oliver, yeah. So I want to talk about Oliver for a second. Uh, this is the first. The actor's name is Jaden Martell. It's the first movie he's in. He goes on to star in It, Knives Out, and he's rumored to be a part of the new Lost Boys remake. So this really launches his career. Uh, the, I think the kid's phenomenal in this movie. Really good actor. Yeah, I think so too. And he has a, um, you know, he has a cuteness to him. He's kind of in that. <clears throat> I put him at eight, nine, or ten, one of those ages, and. Um, kind of an introvert, very intelligent, uh, independent. Um, uh, that, that's how the character's kind of set for uh, yeah. Oliver there. Yeah, very intelligent, very respectful. He keeps referring to Bill Murray's character as Sir. Yeah. Um, and I, I found that to be quite adorable. Yeah. So he he yells at Maggie. Um, Vince is an asshole. Yells at Maggie, makes her pay for the fence that he run over. He, he ran over cause he blames it on the movers. And this kind of starts this, this relationship between the two. Um, are we meant to like Vince in this? Ultimately? Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. I guess, <clears throat> I guess if you can, if you know someone in your life that you, you kind of can correlate his character to, mm-hmm. um, and depending on your relationship with that person, you know, you kind of automatically go, I love this guy. You know, I really like this guy. I know who this guy is. Or if you yourself can relate to him, <clears throat> I know who this guy is. I know what he's about. I know why he's miserable. I know what that feels like. <clears throat> Not personally. Life's good. Life's good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what I mean? <clears throat> but for maybe somebody who can't, yeah, no, you're not supposed to like him. He, he comes off as very rude, very, you know, full of regret. I've been around the block and <clears throat> later you find out he, he, that he's got more to him. What I did notice is early in the movie, you see a cat in his house. And to me, although you although the character is very driven toward just this um, kind of lone wolf, um, he has some type of uh, emotion to him uh, with the cat, right? So you got to have some type of sympathy um, and emotion when you own a pet. So he does have, I found that early and I found it maybe they're alluding to this guy actually has another side to him. <clears throat> yeah. Good, good catch. Uh, I mean, I want to, we're going to talk a little out of order when it comes to the, the chronological order of the movie, but I, I want to get into that a little bit because he is painted early on in the movie as being a complete asshole. He's a drunk. He's a dick. He had this a single mom that moves next door and he takes, takes advantage of the mom. He even kind of takes advantage of the kid or at least the situation. The kid gets locked out goes to him to to use the phone to call his mom and uh well he gets the kid gets locked out because his clothes get stolen he's getting picked on at school yeah. and uh he goes to vince to use the phone and the mom's like this might work why can't you just watch the kid for me after school and vince is like i'll, I'll i'm gonna charge you per hour to babysit and he gives the kid some food and then tells her like he's got she's got to pay for some of the food or he's just kind of a dick um yeah. but you you find out throughout the movie as he's watching this this kid and he's doing his running around with this kid that he goes to the laundromat and he washes his wife's clothes. His right. wife is in a like a home. She has Alzheimer's. I'm assuming they don't they don't say what it is, but she clearly is having some severe men, um, memory issues. So I'm thinking yeah. Alzheimer's or dementia or something along those lines. Um, he does. She doesn't remember him. It's right. it's it's sad, but you see the love that he has for her because he goes and sees her all the time, and he dresses up as a doctor and he flirts with her, 
and she smiles and she likes him and he's like he's kind of making her fall in love every time he goes and sees her yeah he kind of works around her world uh just to make just to keep that part of him alive still yeah <laughs> and her being very much still alive you know not abandoning her and doing what he can yeah sure. which is quite contradicting to how he is to everybody else why do you think that character treats the outside world so differently than he treats his wife well i think that was that was the that was his turning point right so his his wife falls ill um the the way he treats his wife as she's sick years later tells me he he treated her that way the the whole time and maybe that really was his turning point once she fell ill he kind of kind of gave up hope for himself probably hoping to die before she died uh, so he wouldn't have to deal with that pain as well yeah and, and the home that she's in is quite expensive it is it is one of the best it, it looks very nice it's very beautiful the staff takes care of her great but it's very expensive and because of that he's kind of behind on payments and they basically tell him listen you either need to pay this lump sum and get caught up or you you have to find another place like we'll transfer her wherever you can but we have to go somewhere else so uh meanwhile in parallel to that story the the story that vince is going through you also have the story the kid's going through and the kid's getting bullied at school like i said he gets his clothes taken away which has his house key in it but he also gets um does i forgot does the other kid punch him because he gets the bloody nose at some point yeah yeah he kind of gets beat up remember he watches that first uh he's got three kids on the skateboards and Right. Kind of watch getting getting bullied up and beaten around, and then at the end, finally comes in and scares him off, and then says, "Hey, kid, you know, you know." Starts. To, I think that's when the bond starts to to happen between the two. He realizes this kid is fairly interested and very respectful. Um, you know, maybe I could teach this kid a thing or two about life because I know a whole lot about it. Yeah, Vin Vin cares about this kid. and he sticks up for him when he's getting picked on, and it's very evident that through the advice that Vince has given this kid, which is not the best advice, um, that this kid's going to start going to the school heart knocks and that Vince is going to help him and kind of teach him how to defend himself, teach him how to, you know, stick up for himself. And like you said, they start developing this bond. They start, you know, Vin takes him to the racetrack with him and um, they go, like I said, they go see the wife, which has got to be a big thing. I mean, I got to imagine Vincent doesn't let many people into his life, let alone you know to meet his wife at the home. Yeah, I also think that because the mom's working so much and they and they talk about how much she works and how much how little she's around. You know, right. he's got you're with me, kid. You know, this is this is what I got to do day to day. You're gonna you know you're gonna be with me as long as I'm getting paid for it. So <clears throat> I agree that he could have you know pawned him off on somebody else, but I think he's just kind of you're with me what I'm doing that day, whether it's the racetrack or go and see my wife, you know, you're, you're kind of consumed by my life right now. Right. So, um, they go to the racetrack and it, at some point the kid suggests that they do this bet. It's really mm-hmm. like, it's really crazy bet. And if it wins, it, you, know, you win a ton of money. And the yeah. kid's like, I got, you know, Vin, Vin goes, how much money you got on it? Because like, I don't know, I got like three bucks or seven mm-hmm. bucks or something like that. It says lunch mm-hmm. money. Vincent takes it, of course, because he's an asshole and they bet it. And he wins. And they win a good amount of money. It doesn't tell you how much, but they win a good amount of money. You assume it's probably in the thousands of range. Yeah. And Vincent, surprisingly, 
he does take a little bit of it because a little bit of it was his money, but the rest he goes to the bank and he puts in an account. He says for it's for its grandson, his grandson, um, yeah. for Oliver, which is crazy. Yeah, I assumed he would just take the whole thing, but he doesn't. He opens the bank account for Oliver. Um, yeah. So now we have a third story going on in parallel to those two, which is the story of Maggie. Uh, Maggie's Oliver's mother. She is work. She's a nurse. She's working like crazy because she's got all these bills. She's got to afford on her own because she has taken Oliver and basically walked out on her husband. She caught him cheating and left him. And throughout the course of the movie, you find out the husband is uh, trying to get custody of Oliver and Maggie's saying that he's doing this because he's a very ruthless person. He's doing it just to hurt her. Um, but what I found surprisingly surprising about this movie is the aspect of the of the malicious ex-husband out to destroy the single mother's life. They don't play into that. You don't you have Maggie kind of bashing the ex, but yeah. she's really the only one that does. And even Oliver makes comments about like my dad just wants to see me or my dad, you know, he, he cares about me just like you do. Like Oliver never jumps on it and is like, yeah, my dad's a piece of shit. It's always yeah. kind of like, yeah, my dad has every right to see me just like you do. Yeah. You... I don't, yeah. I don't think they were trying to um, harp too hard on that besides her, you know, her we'll call sob story in the, in the school. And that was really her just kind of letting the floodgates open. This is all that's going on in my life. Um, besides that, and um, yeah, I think he's a, he just he, the guy had his own things going on, but also he still loves his son. And then you come to find out he's actually adopted. He's actually an adopted son between the two of them. Yeah, which the, obviously is you know parallel to to the the story that we had talked about earlier with the director and what he went through. But they don't really they they don't touch much on um, Oliver being adopted. No, no, just in that in that one story. Um, you know, she knows that he's adopted. Yeah. So, um, Vince ends up not being able to come up with the money and he has to go to the bank. He steals the money from the kid's account. Yeah. He withdraws all the money. Yep. And he tries to make this crazy bet, um, so that he can get, you know, three times that and pay the kid back and pay all the old bills and, you know, like most movies, he loses the money. He's he's completely reached rock bottom. Um, some guys come to his house to to kind of collect on him, and he winds up. I thought he dropped dead. He has like this attack, and just falls to the ground. And the guys leave, like just leave him. You know, let him let him die. Um, but which, all of go which ahead. one of the the main guy there, your horse race bookie is Terrence Howard. So big name, kind of a small role for this movie, but definitely played it well. Yeah, played it very well. He he they they grade him up a little bit to kind of age him up to where Bill Murray is because when you yeah. first see him, he's kind of like he's clearly Bill Murray's bookie, but he's like an older guy. So it's like, oh, you're not really that scared of him. And then when he shows up at uh at Vin's house to collect, you, you get the sense that like hey, he's not he's not screwing around anymore. He wants his money. Yeah, he's a gangster. So they they leave Vin to die, and Oliver ends up finding him. Um, come to find out, he had a stroke. They had a massive stroke, and 
he goes into the same hospital that Maggie works at. So Maggie's looking over him. So this is really where you have this kind of hobbled together um, family between Maggie and Oliver and Vincent and Naomi Watts's, uh, you know, Russian woman of the night. They're they're railing together around Vincent, around his health. They they come and visit him. They're cleaning up his house. The the Russian basically moves in with him. Shout out and, to Naomi Watts. She learned Russian through YouTube and going to a Russian spa. Um, learned like the Russian accent. She also said that she stayed in character the entire time she was filming the movie because she felt so insecure around Bill Murray as an actress. Wow. But she does a phenomenal job. She does. I mean. It, it, I'm sure people um, from I think they I think they know Russia, um, some type of Baltic accent um, that she's from the country she's from. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's <clears throat> in the beginning of the movie. In his own ways, he's supporting all of these people. Bill Murray's character Vince is supporting all these people in one way or another. And then the tables turn where he needs it, and then that supporting cast comes, and they really just um, you know stand behind him in his uh, stroke recovery, which is plays out to be weeks you know weeks of it or whatever yeah that's a good point you know i never i never really realized that he does kind of support each one of these characters in his own way yeah. wow yeah. well said so um vincent is trying to recover he can't speak um so but he's trying to recover he goes through a bunch of physical therapy during all this uh maggie's ex hires a private investigator who mm-hmm basically has all this evidence that Oliver's been going to the racetrack. Oliver's been watched by this drunk neighbor who has a gambling problem and it's used in court to kind of fight for custody. And yeah. he, he wins. They have, they have 50, 50 custody, which again, if, if I'm, if I'm, I don't know if I'm biased, I might be biased. I am a male. I have, I have kids and I would want to fight for them. So I may be biased in what I'm about to say. However, it's ironic to me that Maggie is not a good mom. Like, yes, she's working her ass off to, to provide for her and her son. I get that. That's not an easy thing to do, but she's also leaving her kid with a guy she doesn't know who's clearly an alcoholic or at very minimum, clearly an asshole to you and you wind up finding out in court in front of everybody else that he's been going to the, he's taking your son to the racetrack gambling and stuff, hanging out with a prostitute. Yeah. I think in the beginning it was, it was kind of desperate times, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. There was that, you know, he was, he lost his keys. So he was home alone. So it was almost like a, a trial by fire, that babysitting incident. Um, right. But I think, I think she has so much trust in her son and her son's word of, yeah, I kind of like the guy. I think he'll do fine. Says, all right, as long as he's signing on and as long as I'm, he reports back that everything's fine, then I have no reason not to trust him, you know, or I have no reason at least not to trust my child. Which, for the sake of the movie, okay, great. It sets up for a great storyline. Obviously, Bill Murray's awesome. But for like in real life, that's not, that's not how things work. Like you're, you're a bad mom. Like that's, that's it. But what's, what's crazy is after all that, she still gets 50% cut. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're don'tforgetatowel.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, 
Don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. All that, she still gets 50% custody. The father had to fight with all that evidence just to see his son half the time. Half I just, the time. That's crazy. That's crazy that it's like that. But anyway, um, yeah. so Vin gets out of the hospital and him and Maggie fight. They get into this fight about all this because Maggie obviously didn't know this was going on. Yeah, right. And, as he's getting out of the hospital, they're having that trial, right? So right. his speech is still kind of broken. Um, he's home at this point. And like you say, they leave the trial and she storms home, <clears throat> finds him in his backyard, you know, shooting, shooting the day away, wasting the day away, watering nothing. <clears throat> right. And go ahead. Well, what, what happens after, like in the same time frame in the movie as this fight, I don't remember if it happens before or after the fight with Maggie, but he finds out his wife has passed away. Yeah, I right. believe it happens just after the fight with Maggie. So he has this fight with Maggie. I think he feels a little responsible, although it, he's one of those guys that he definitely wouldn't say that. And then his whole world, you know, being his wife, comes crumbling down. And it's around this time. In fact, right at well, let me take this. Let me take that back. He the, the wife passes away, and it takes him forever to get to the home to see, to, like to to identify the body, to pick the body up. And yeah, at that listen, point, he's got a few voicemails, and as he's listening to the first one, he I think he realizes, okay, and I, I know what this is about. Right. But doesn't want to come to grips with it, even to the point where he does her laundry and brings it there to let me see it myself. Like until this is in my face, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live with it or settle with, settle for it. But clearly, right. he knows he wants to see it himself. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's been so long since he's even responded to any of their messages that they've already had the body cremated. Yep. So he has this very tough moment where not only has his wife passed away, but he has not had a chance to even see her. Um, so he, he, right. He takes the belongings and, and her ashes back to his house and he's outside kind of having a cigarette and just coping with what's going on when the boy comes over and him and the kid had this very mature conversation. Again, Vin's hurting. He's kind of a dick. And yeah. they get into this fight as well, where the kid basically Vin says, "Well, then don't come back over here. Leave me alone." Yeah, you're stupid. You're a stupid boy. You're a stupid kid. Right. <clears throat> Maybe I am stupid, but I'm not an old, grumpy, you know, miserable, whatever, whatever. So they, I guess I think he says, "So I guess that's goodbye." <clears throat> right. All right. So definitely, definitely a a, a grown conversation between the two. You, Again, because the kid's a little above his above intel above average intelligence for his age. Right. I mean, these two have become friends. You really get the sense that these two have a friendship. They've helped each other. Uh, yeah. Vin Vin has helped this kid with the bullying thing and kind of stand on his own two legs and and learn about the the school of hard knocks and the street side of intelligence. And Oliver has taught Vincent to open up and to you know, get back out into the world and that your life isn't over at this point. You can, you can go and, and still be alive. Um, yeah. but Vincent's going through a very tough time in his life. His wife has passed away. He's not in a good place. He ends up like 
trying to throw out a bunch of, of stuff and some of that stuff is stuff from Vietnam that he had old pictures of, of people that he served with medals and stuff that he had. And the kid finds all this stuff and starts looking into Vincent and who he is and where he's from and what makes him who he is. And he does this. Um, what would you say? Riding his bike around kind of researching the towns and some of Vince's regulars. Yeah. Yeah, he's interviewing not only people that Vince deals with now, but also p- people that Vince knew back then and the stories that Vince has told and what awesome things he's done. And he's doing this all for the project that he's got at school. Like I like I had mentioned in the in the story about the director and the writer, it's all kind of 100% what the movie's about too. So the kid, Oliver, has this project with school and it's about coming up with, you know, who your favorite saint is and then somebody in the real world that has those saint, you know, saint qualities. Yeah, Modern day saints project. Right. So Naomi Watts goes into labor. Bill Murray hops up and has to take her to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And she's driving down and he realizes as they're pulling in front of the school that they're not going to the hospital. She tells him to get out and he goes walking into the auditorium as they're having this giant assembly where everybody's doing their saints among us project. And Oliver is talking, giving this long speech about Vincent and who he is. I mean, what are your thoughts? You you said you just watched this. Yeah, that is. So this is look at, I, I, I find film and movies is such is such an art and, you know, you have your own opinions on some and uh, you can relate to some and, um, you know, there's the St. William of Rochester. So I really relate to this one is as close to a saint as I am in Rochester. So <clears throat> joking, totally joking. Um, <laughs> but I'm a crier. I'm a crier. So, you know, you get to this point in the movie, there's all these build. There's a few points where, you know, oh, man, I'm tearing like, gosh, darn, I hope the movie's watching. Um, but by this time, when he's given this, this project speech to, to, uh, uh, auditorium of people and Bill Murray standing in the back watching, I mean, the waterworks just turn right on, you know, it basically, you know, the, the teacher describes uh, a saint as the saint is, um, is people that we celebrate with that have commitment and dedication the people around them to other human beings and sacrifices and all that. So he puts all of this, the kid is, the kid is bright enough to put it all together and go, why this guy is checking all those boxes in his own way, you know, and really has done things for all these other people around him. Um, so really, really speaks to the kid's intelligence level and, um, how he can put that, put the two and two together and, and, um, uh, reward this guy he knows so well with, uh, kind of an honorable, uh, project and, and speech. Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I'm with you. I watched this when I was visiting my mother in Oklahoma, we, me yeah. and her watches together oh, and yeah. we're sitting on the couch bawling as we're listening to this speech. It is such the, the they do such a phenomenal job with the character development of both Bill Murray and Oliver, I mean, I would even say Maggie has some character development in this, and just the idea of these four individuals, because um, I'm including uh, Naomi Watts' character, these four individuals coming together and kind of creating this family, meeting each other at, at just the right time in their lives where they can yeah. each help each other out. And it's just, it's so heartwarming to hear this yeah. story, because you see Vincent, I mean, it's, 
I will say it's very um this this scene is very Hollywood because Bill Murray's walking down the center aisle in this huge auditorium. You know, I think I, there's even like a standing ovation for him as this right. kid's on stage. So it's very Hollywood, but it's so awesome to see Bill Murray play this as, and you can, you can literally see his heart warming up. It's like, it's like the Grinch and his heart growing three sizes in that scene. You know, yeah. you really see that happen. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good example of the user. Um, but it speaks to his authenticity, right? So all through the movie, you go, this is who Bill Murray is. Okay. Yeah. He may be playing this guy who's just a total jackass. And we, we all know Bill Murray isn't that way to people, but, um, his acting and author, the, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is in the very beginning when he is just drunk as a skunk and he's got his, he turns his tune on the jukebox and he's just vibing, you know, he's in his own world. Doesn't matter what's wrong. But I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> so, you know, that that's his high, right? That's his, that's, his, that's his high. And then when he wins all the money <clears throat> without drinking, or at least it doesn't show that he, that he drank anything yet. He's doing the same thing with the kid because he's on a different high then. Um, and it had a lot to do with, with being around the boy and, and achieving something with the boy. Um, <clears throat> but authenticity, I, I mean, I don't know Bill Murray personally, but <clears throat> that's what really warms this. You know, you put anyone else, even Jack Nicholson, right? You put anyone else in that character. I don't know. I don't think it's going to do the same thing that it did um, <clears throat> probably for many who've watched it. Listen, great, great segue, because honestly, the only other notes I have here are tears Bad green screen because they do the the when he's doing the speech it's kind of bad green screen but that's besides the point because the movie ends right there it's, it, there's one big happy family at the end they all sit down for you know a nice dinner um, yeah but w- the only other note I have in here is no one could have played that role but Bill Murray seriously seriously I, don't, I mean <clears throat> they would again they wouldn't have done the same thing I think to to a lot of the viewers <clears throat> so great great um, casting casting there for sure and then the very the, really the, the movie ends almost the credit scene is he's out in his back porch and he's back to himself right he's like he's got right. his head down he starts playing bob dylan he's singing he's smoking even though he shouldn't be smoking he's smoking a cigarette um and it's just like no better way to end that movie because it's just so vibes man just vibes for real yeah some good <clears throat> i'm all about soundtrack and there's a lot of good ones in there bob dylan at the at the end um uh couple other ones they played somebody to love yeah great soundtrack for this movie let's let's get into the questions sure you there i think i lost her nope i'm good you're there i had to play music all right. So as you know, season three comes with new questions. Uh, let's start with the first one. Question number one. Does the progress and rhythm of the movie fit? Definitely. Definitely. Character, there's the, the huge buildup, the character development, the story buildup. Um, you kind of go through the phases of, um, you know, kind of isolation and then kind of opening up and all these characters coming together. And again, there's that turning point, you know, Bill Murray supporting these people and then everyone supporting Bill Murray. It definitely, the flow, it flowed well, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, hour 42 minutes, this movie doesn't seem too long or too short. Um, I'm actually, 
this is probably would be my my example of perfect character development. Like I said, the movie is kind of a normal length movie, but the character development you get is in every scene. It's really it's great, and it's on every character pretty much. Um, yeah. So I I think the, the the progress and the rhythm of this movie is is spot on. And they only have the four, right? I mean, there's there's a few other. You know, Terrence Howard has basically a cameo or two in this thing, but it's primarily four lead actors and actresses that. Um, the movie just is based around, so they have the time to do that and not have to jump to other storylines and, and what. Yeah, I mean, we got we got the the priest as well, the teacher. Um, he's got a couple good lines and good scenes, but yeah, I would agree with you. It's basically just the four of them. Okay, so question number two. What, if any, part of the film speaks to you and why? Um, I mean, it, it, I think there in every storyline there's something that you can relate to, or at least for myself, I could relate to. My mom was a single mother, and, and what do I do with a young child? And um, <clears throat> a couple of people in my family or, or friends, and that 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 kind of mirror some of Bill Bill Murray's um, uh, characteristics in the movie. I wouldn't say his total character, but characteristics. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think all, all those kind of spoke to me. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know that there, there isn't much. I could relate a little bit to the single mom thing. Um, I mean, my dad was still in the picture, but not not on an every night basis. So there was some little bit there, um, but that was that was kind of about it. I just really appreciated the movie, and I can relate to the storyline. You know, I can relate to relating to to people and 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 really reaching out and finding good and bad and and bad and good. So um, yeah. I think it was just kind of a relatable story overall. Um, and then the last question is, what is the most important sequence in the movie? Uh, kind of what I mentioned earlier is is that turning point, or at least the um, the need for support. I mean, Bill Murray has nobody. He has his wife, right? So he has his wife who doesn't even know who he is. Um, and that's really all he has besides his bar buddies. But there's these, these three that <clears throat> in, in weeks prior have that he's given a lot to um, that when he needed it we're there to support him. And you kind of see that shift and really the shift in him too. Right. So. Yeah, I, I could see that for me. I think the turning point was when he goes to the bank to get Oliver's money out. Um, I think up until that point, he's, he's an asshole, but he's got these funny one-liners and, and he's an asshole, but you can kind of like, all right, I'll deal with him. Like when he makes that move, I mean, even in that scene, I'm talking about how great of an actor Bill Murray is, even in that scene, he has this subtle look in his face of like, I know what I'm doing is bad and I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think I had to. Like, it just plays to the fact that his wife is the most important thing to him. And while he does care for Oliver and he does want to do the right thing, nothing comes before his wife. And if this is what he has to do to to help his wife, then so be it. And it just really, it, it really you see him cross a line there, I think. Yeah. And something that he probably has done time and time again, in the last, you know, eight years that his wife has, has been away. Um, again, just kind of full of regrets, but knows desperate times call for desperate measures. And even if it happens more often than not for him. Right. So on a scale of one to 10, one being horrible and 10 being a masterpiece, what are you giving this movie? I'm giving this movie an eight. <clears throat> I'm giving this movie an eight. This one really, I guess, for me, checks all the boxes. You know, if you're, if I'm crying at the end, <clears throat> it's because you did something right in the movie 
to to get me there. Yeah, well said. You know, I mean, I think eight is a very great score. I might even go eight and a half. Um, cause like you said, if this ends with me in tears, obviously, you know, it's a very engaging story and that that's got to make for a good movie. So, um, yeah, eight, eight and a half. So let's get right into uh, a little game. I like to call guess that tomato. All right. Not a fan of tomatoes, but I'll, I'll try to guess one. So as you know, uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, has both a viewer rating and a critics rating. And I like to play a little game where I make my guests um, try to guess the viewer rating for the movie they picked. So in this case, what it, do you think the viewer rating is for St. Vincent on Rotten Tomatoes? On Rotten Tomatoes, I'm giving it an eight. Uh, I'm going to say seven, seven and a half. I'm going to say seven and a half. Seven and a half. So 75. 75%. Yeah. Okay. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple hints. First, I'm going to give you the, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the critics rating. The critics rate St. Vincent a 77%. So now I'm going to give you three movies that are within 2% of the audience rating for St. Vincent. So plus or minus 2%. And this yeah. season, we're going to go with the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you're good. Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. What's good about it? Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart before they were annoying together. Then sprinkle in some Jack Black and a, for a little nostalgia and my childhood homage to Robert uh, Robin Williams. What isn't good about this film? The bad. Noah. What is bad about it? To say they took liberties with the source material will be putting it mildly, but be honest. The real bad part is the tug of war between Russell Crowe's acting as Noah against Jennifer Connelly's acting as his wife. Mm. Yeah, not a not a huge Russell Crowe fan. And lastly, the ugly. Avengers Age of Ultron. What's ugly about it? How about the mental image of the Hulk and Black Widow? Listen, Ultron aside, their relationship, it's creepy, only increases it, excuse me, their relationship's creepy factor only increases when it's never mentioned again in any subsequent movies. Yeah, yeah. And they're different races, right? So, well, Bruce Banner is a human and, um, uh, Black Widow is a spider. Black Widow is a human. But when he becomes a Hulk, he's, is he is he human? I no. mean, he's human, but he's not an alien. It's not like he's from another planet. He's still human. He's just human with a really weird thing going on. They do have a planet Hulk. No, the planet Hulk is a... Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so with those hints, do you want to change your guess? I think you said 75. For the viewer. 75. I'm going to stay with 75 for the viewer rating. All right. So the actual score is. Seventy-eight percent. Oh, so close. You were you were close. I mean, you're, you're pretty much spot on. We, we have to go plus or minus two percent, but that's only three. I, I'll give it to you. That was good. So if the movie can make 
its ordinary viewers feel the same way that critics feel, I feel like the movie did a good job. You know, even yeah, if, I mean, even if it was a, even if it was a poor rating, if those two are are uh, fairly close to each other, that the movie did kind of stuck to the same thing the whole way through. Yeah, well said. You know, honestly, I, I can't remember the last time I saw those scores uh, that close, 77 and 78. So, yeah, listen, this is a great movie, and I, I'm not going to give away anything until the end of the season, but I will tell you that, um, man, this is this is going against some Steve competition this season. So we'll have to see what happens and, uh, and where this lands. Um, but listen, before I let you go, it's a firm belief of the owners that don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it may not be comic books and movies, maybe it's you know raising your neighbor's kid and drinking excessively. So I've got to ask you, Will, what is it you're currently geeking out on? Well, football season just ended. I've been geeking out on football, on football youth football for the last four months. Uh, that just ended. Um, so trying to trying to find a wait, I'm actually waiting for a few shows to return. Uh, and then I'm really going to be geeking out and binging, uh, most notably Yellowstone. Um, oh, that's your jam. You've been preaching that for a couple a couple years now. Season four is coming out. Ozark. I'm waiting for Ozark to come back around. Uh, should be soon. A few Netflix shows. I subscribe to Netflix. So um, I'm also I'm, I'm always binging out on Gutsy Media. Always. I appreciate you, brother. For real. I mean, it just doesn't get any more raw and, and uh, relatable than gutsy media. <laughs> Listen, Will, thank you so much for being a guest, man. Always love having you on.